0: We wrap up today our series that we begun a few months ago called The Upside-Down Kingdom. And it was in The Upside-Down Kingdom that we established from week one that the kingdom that Christ initiated when He came in grace was the kingdom of God that the world has never seen and the world will never see a kingdom like this. That it's a kingdom that changes our purpose and our perspective and our values forever. It literally turns this world upside down. And so as we wrap up this morning, our series on the upside down kingdom, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24, we're going to be looking at treasure, treasure in the upside down kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 19 says, "...do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness." If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. It was about a year ago, it was a Tuesday and it was a long day here at work and at the end of the day I had the privilege of spending some time with our young adult community and sharing from my heart and leading them. Uh, in a talk uh, on a Tuesday night and I was as I was wrapping up and leaving here uh, it was late and anxious to get home and got the word that I needed to s- uh, swing by Publix to pick up some uh, groceries for the children's lunch the next morning and so I was ready to get home as fast as I could so I was gonna make sure I got the Publix as fast as I could and get the groceries and get home because I just wanted to unwind and relax after a very long day and as soon as I pulled into Publix, I opened my door and there is a young girl with her baby in a car that had broken down, abandoned and stranded with no hope. And I have to confess the first thought that went into my mind said this ministry thing's really getting in the way. I and mean, this whole this whole kingdom of God thing is just comes at the worst possible time. Then it hit me. No, Rob, this is the ministry you've been called to. This is the kingdom of God. On display. You see, the kingdom of God is not something we just talk about on Sunday morning. It is not this uh, theoretical pie in the sky concept that we all talk about and Rob, your pastor, or other pastors wax eloquent about on a Sunday morning and then we just go on our merry way Monday through Saturday. No, this is what happens when we realize that the kingdom of God transcends every circumstance, every scenario that we are faced with. Sunday through Saturday, 365 days out of the year, we are confronted. If we are truly citizens of the kingdom of God, then every aspect of our life has been turned upside down. That is what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, that everything, the choices that we make and the relationships that we establish and the careers that we choose, and even we're going to see this morning... The way we view treasure and money and possessions, even that is affected radically by the kingdom of God, by the upside down kingdom of God. And and when we look at this passage, the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. Jesus addresses this idea of money and treasure and possessions and how the kingdom of God affects even something as practical and seemingly mundane as the treasure that we possess. And he uses a, a peculiar example here in verse 22 and 23. And that leads us to our first point. The first thing that we take away from this passage this morning is that money and treasure has power over us. Money and treasure has power over us. And he uses this peculiar example of the eye. It's interesting, in 19 through 21, Jesus talks about treasure. And we can follow it. Makes Makes sense don't store up treasure in heaven or don't store up treasure on earth, but instead store up and lay up treasure in heaven. And then verse 24, we can even follow. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve God or money. You can't serve both. And it would have been probably okay for Jesus to share with his disciples 19 through 21 and then skip down to 24. It would have made sense to us. Don't store up treasure on earth. Instead, store up treasure in heaven because you can't serve both God and money at the end. But for whatever reason, Jesus inserts this peculiar example to illustrate how treasure and money have power over us. And he uses this peculiar example of a bad eye and a good eye. He says the eye is the lamp of the body in verse 22. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of light. Of darkness, What in the world is Jesus trying to say, and what does it have to do with treasure and money? You see, in verse 19 through 21, what Jesus is describing is the powerful effect that treasure and money have over the individual. He's describing greed and materialism. That when an individual stores up treasure on earth instead of storing up treasure in heaven, it will lead to greed and materialism, and the byproduct will be found in verse 22 and 23. It will lead to a bad eye. What Jesus is trying to say is if you are not careful, greed and materialism will lead to a bad eye in such a way that you could be standing in a room full of light, you could be in the midst of light, which is always synonymous with the truth of God, the light here in the Scripture. You could be in the middle of the light, but if you have a black, bad eye that is blinded by greed and materialism, you won't see any of the other light. You could be standing in the middle of the light, in the midst of the light, in the midst of God's truth. And if you do not get a handle on greed and materialism, that one issue will blind you to all other truth. Why? Why? Because as soon as we place our treasure on earth, instead of placing our treasure in heaven, it blinds us in such a way that we have no more need for Jesus. There is no more dependence on Jesus. There is no more dependence upon the light of the Gospel. It blinds us to all other things. I was listening to a pastor talk about doing a lecture on the seven deadly sins, and he was gonna talk about bitterness and anger and envy. And his wife said, when when do you get to greed? When's your lecture on greed? He said, oh, it happens to be in two weeks. She said, watch it. Attendance will drop that week. And she was right. And attendance didn't drop the week that he spoke on greed because people were hostile to greed. Or they didn't want to hear it. The reason attendance dropped when they talked about greed is because they didn't think it was relevant to them. It was the one sin they thought, I can go to a lecture on anger, I can go to a lecture on bitterness, that all makes sense, I can see examples of that in my life, but nobody thinks they deal with greed. I would say it's, fa- it's, it's safe to assume that the majority of the people in this room, as soon as I announced that we were going to talk about treasure today, said, I'm checked out for the next 20 minutes, right? This is a one-off sermon for me. I can think about my groceries and what I'm going to do afterwards because greed really doesn't apply to me. And that's what Jesus was talking about, about the bad eye. It blinds you to the point where you don't even think it's an issue in your life. It blinds you to all other truth. Greed and materialism convinces you that this is not really an issue for me and allows Satan for you to buy the greatest lie that the treasures on earth are more valuable than anything that God has to offer us in the treasure of heaven. People come to me all the time. They confess sin. They tell me problems they're dealing with, problems that they're suffering with, pride and anxiety and fear and so on and so forth. I have never had in all of my time somebody come to my office and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with greed. And that is the power that it has over us because we deal with it more than we realize it reads, uh, it, greed and materialism blind us to all other spiritual things. It blinds us spiritually because it hides in our heart. But it's interesting that Jesus talks about money and greed and treasure more than any other topic in the Gospels. I often have said that if I preached on money and treasure as much as Jesus did, I would never have a church. And the only reason I say that is if it's the topic that Jesus talks about the most, it might For a reason. It might be something that we struggle with more than we realize. This idea of settling for the treasure of earth when we could have the treasure in heaven. There's more worth, there's more wealth, and people are more worth, have more worth and wealth in North America than ever before. There is more wealth today in North America. Then if you were to combine all of the wealth of all of the greatest kingdoms and empires that this world has ever seen, but at the same time, giving is at an all-time low. There is a problem. There is a crisis. So treasure and money have the power over us. It blinds us. Greed and materialism blinds us. But the question is why? Why does it blind us? Why does it have the power over us? Well, the answer is found in verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You see, treasure and money is never a matter of... Something that is so insignificant as just saying, hey, um, I'm spending too much in this area and not enough in that area. It is not as insignificant as you think. It actually goes way beyond the surface and it addresses the issue of your heart. It's a matter of your heart. And what Jesus is trying to say is the reason that treasure and money and possessions have such a powerful effect on you is because treasure grabs your heart. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Whatever has captured your heart as the thing of ultimate worth, the thing of ultimate value. You see, what money and possessions and treasure have the ability to do is to convince you that if I have enough treasure, if I have enough stuff, then I will be someone. It's a means to significance. It's a means to be someone. It becomes your identity. And it becomes your identity on every end of the spectrum. It becomes your identity for the, for the person that thinks they have it all and they can't imagine losing it because this is who I've become. And it's an issue for the person that feels like they have nothing. And if they thought, if I could just have that, then my life would matter. Then my life would be significant. But not only does money think that we can earn approval and significance, money is also a means for us to secure our life and our lifestyle. It allows us to have control in an uncontrollable world. That's why you hear so often people say, I'm I'm consumed with what I have or what I don't have because I need that security in my life as if we think that another treasure or another thing or more money or more possessions can somehow give us the control that we desire. And God all the while is laughing and saying, you actually control nothing. The person that has very little and the person that thinks they have it all, God is up there laughing, saying, no, I control all things. The control of your life is not dependent on what you have or what you don't have. But treasure and money convinces us this is why we need what we don't have or what we could not imagine doing without for those that think they have it all. It's a means to security. It's a means to significance. And it has power over us because it has power over our heart. Whatever is of greatest worth, what is is ever of greatest value is the thing that captures your heart. And Jesus says, this is not a surface level issue. It goes beyond the surface to think that I actually can get the security and the value and the security and the control and the significance that my heart craves for. So if it is true that, that treasure and money and possessions has this much power over us, it begs the question, how is this power broken? Well, Jesus says in verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What is treasure in heaven? Is this this, this theoretical pie-in-the-sky treasure that someday we're going to find at the end of the rainbow? Well, what is the treasure of heaven? It's Jesus. Jesus is the treasure of heaven of heaven. And what Jesus is trying to say is that the only way you the power of money and possessions and treasure will be broken in your life is when your heart is captured by the treasure of heaven, which is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the treasure of heaven. He is the treasured son of God, and it is only when our heart is captured by that treasure can the power of money and treasure and possessions be broken in our life when our hearts and our minds are captured by something more valuable and more worthy and more beautiful than anything this world has to offer, He is the treasure of heaven. You see, whatever is of supreme value in your life, that is what your heart will grab and be captured by. But God sends His Son, the treasured Son of heaven, and says, look no further for treasure. Treasure that will not last. But may the power of this, this earth's treasure and possessions and money be broken in your life only by the treasured Son of God. You see, the world says this. The world says whatever your treasure is, you will die for it. You couldn't imagine living without it. And when you find that treasured possession in your life, whatever that is, whatever you today consider treasure or worthy, valuable. You will do anything to have it and you will do anything to keep it. You will die for your treasure. But the message of the gospel says the very opposite. The message of the gospel says you do not die for your treasure but that the treasure died for you. And that changes everything. That when we know that the treasure of heaven came down and died for us and that through that we become the treasured possession of God, when that Captures our heart, then all of the wealth and all of the money and all of the possessions and all of the treasure that this earth has to offer pales in comparison to the treasure that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. God lost his treasure so that we could forever be the treasure of God. He lost his treasured son so that we today could be sons and daughters. Of the King. Only when your heart is captured by that will you be released from the bondage of chasing the treasure of this earth. Will you be released from the bondage of chasing money and wealth and possessions to achieve significance and security when you realize that I have it all in the person of Jesus Christ? The question is, how do we know How do we know that we have been broken from the power of treasure of this earth? How do we know that the power of treasure and wealth and money, that we have been broken from it? Well, the answers here in verse 22. It says that you will have a good eye or a healthy eye. Well, the word there for healthy or good eye has a double meaning. It also means a generous eye. That you know that the power of this earth's treasure and money has been broken in your life. You have been freed from that bondage when you, when you have a generous eye. When you see people in need, when you see brokenness in your community, when you see the needs of the mission of the church and of Jesus Christ, that you respond by not going, oh, I can't handle that mission or I don't want to give to that mission but that you instead look at the needs of the world, the needs of the church, the needs of the mission of God, and you become a person of radical, extreme generosity. That you know the gospel is at work in your life by the generous eyes that you establish and that you develop. You've really been freed from the power of money and treasure by finding that Jesus is your ultimate treasure. You see, when we're asked to be generous with our time and with our talent and with our treasure. The response can never be, how much do I have to give? Or why should I give? Are they even deserving of my offering? Are they even deserving of my time? Are they even deserving of what I have earned? I tell those people, you just don't get it. The minute you say, that person doesn't deserve whatever, They don't deserve my treasure. I've earned my treasure. I say, you don't get it. Because until you realize that you actually have earned nothing and that you deserve nothing, you have no chance of being a generous person in the upside-down kingdom. It's when you realize that you deserve nothing and you've earned nothing that you become the person of radical generosity that when you see the needs of your church and the needs of your community and your city and the brokenness and the darkness that exists, you become the most generous person around. You no longer become a closed-fisted person. You walk around with hands wide open saying, I now can give it all away. Only Jesus can provide that. Only Jesus' radical generosity on the cross can make us radical, radically generous people of the kingdom of God. So that this church and other churches and that the mission of God can advance with no concern because of the radical generosity of its people. Only those people that have been overwhelmed by the radical generosity of God through Christ can ever understand that. Broken from the bondage of longing for this earth's treasure. Let me close with this. Many of you know two weeks ago this church lost a daughter, Laurie Meacham. Laurie Meacham is the third generation member of this church. Born in this church, grew up in this church, baptized in this church, the daughter of longtime members Rob and Chrissy Meacham. Lost her two weeks ago, 31 years of age. New husband, two year old daughter, lost at 31. I was up in Atlanta just yesterday, participating in the funeral service. But it was over the last two weeks that we have just heard story after story after story of Lori's life and of her generosity and of her spirit of generosity. But one story that stood out above the others was a week before God took her home. She was throwing a party for her two-year-old daughter. And many of you knew that Lori was sick for a while. But in the midst of sickness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, she wanted to throw the most extravagant, overwhelming party for her little daughter, two-year-old daughter, Emmy. Wanted to overwhelm her. And Lori's family and friends say, Lori, you just have to settle down. It's not worth it. She's only two years old. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your health. And Lori said, no, I want my daughter, Emmy, to always know that she has been overwhelmed extravagantly by the love of her mother and father. I never want her to doubt that she is loved with an overwhelming love. Little did Lori know that that would be the last party that she would throw for her daughter. But through pictures and testimonies and stories, Emmy will always grow up knowing that she was loved in the most overwhelming way with extravagant love. But for those that are in Christ this morning, you know what we're told? That for those that are in Christ, that God your Father is, loves you with an extravagant love. In fact, in 1 John 3, it says that God lavishes His love. You know what the word lavish means? It means to overwhelm you. It means to love you in a way that is over the top so that you would never doubt God's radical generosity in your life, so that you would never doubt God's extravagant, overwhelming love in your life. That is the nature of God's radical love in your life. And until your heart is captured by that, you have no chance of being generous. We have been loved extravagantly so that we in return can love extravagantly. We have been shown extreme generosity so that now we can go out and share with others that extreme generosity as well. And this treasure, this treasure from heaven is offered to you this morning. It's not a treasure you work for. It is not a treasure you have earned. It is not a treasure you deserved, but is offered to you freely. It's a free gift. For all those that receive Jesus as Lord, He promises for you to become a treasured son and daughter of God forever, so that you can leave here experiencing the radical, overwhelming, extravagant love of God forever, and your life will be forever changed. Be overwhelmed today for the generosity of God, and may it change your life forever.